0: Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. Hope you guys are staying safe in this weird, weird time. I am so excited for this episode. I know one particular good pal of mine is looking towards this episode. I think he's actually probably messaging me right now saying when's the episode up. I'll probably have to send it to him in advance. Uh, And and the guest today knows who I'm talking about. So this week's guest is Connor O'Keefe. Uh, connor won the enduro man 200 mile uh, ultra in t- 2019 he is also a fundraiser which we're going to speak a lot about today uh, he's a speaker and a proud corkman uh, current, C- connor is currently raising money for Peter house uh, which we'll talk about and how you guys can donate from the extreme challenges that connor is putting his m- body and mind through so connor thank you so much for coming on today cheers man thanks for having me how
1: are you holding up
0: in this weird I'm not time
1: bad, man. I'm not bad. I'm a bit tired now today. Um just uh like it's been what, what is it? We're 13 days into these challenges now and I'm kind of feeling a bit tired today.
0: Yeah, I can I can imagine like if if people haven't been following Connor's challenges, I highly I I would push you to towards his Instagram and have a look at them. We'll talk about those and what kind of stuff he's doing. Um they're they're nuts but they're 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 very very unique in what they're doing but they're 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 very very clever as well uh for anyone who isn't aware of your story connor um i've heard the story from the amazing podcast interview you did with shane finn who's also been on the podcast can you talk about your story and how everything where you're at now has kind of come about
1: um yeah i suppose I actually only addressed it today when somebody asked me a question on my Instagram. It was like, how did you build up to doing all these mad runs? And I said, I actually became an accidental ultra-athlete, like out of nowhere, like really. like um, In 2018, I ran my first marathon, half drank, half trained myself towards a marathon. And after the marathon, I um, was sitting down with a friend for lunch and we had both gotten mad into David Goggins, you know, and just, like, really were very, very interested in what he was doing and what he was about, and, like, for me, it was like, when I was listening to him, I wasn't listening to all the great shit he had done, about all the great stuff he had done, all the, you know, the the, the running and the, the world record for pull-ups and how he was a Navy SEAL and an Armory Ranger. It was just, I was listening to him, and I was seeing how honest he was about the times when he didn't care and he didn't, you know, he took the easy way out and he, got, he took the get out of jail free card. And um, when I heard that, it really resonated with me throughout my life and the times that I had made bad decisions and the times that I hadn't cared about my life or cared about the way things were going. And I kind of said to myself, you know what, maybe this is like, you know, a way of getting my myself back on track. I had a boxing background I had lost all of that and I'd lost all of the fitness that kind of went with it. And I kind of wanted to get myself back onto this track. The marathon didn't do it for me. And um, it wasn't that, that, that wasn't after fixing me. So I was like, let's do this 100 mile race. And after six weeks training, we both went up, me and my friend went up to the Connemara 100 mile uh, ultra marathon. And we nearly got laughed out of there. Like, we, I can't even understate how little business we had being at that race. Like, it was ridiculous. And everyone was like, Lads, like you're not going to be able to finish this race. Like, you know, don't keep us out here too late. No, like, you know, waiting for you to finish up. And we were like, oh, no, look, don't worry. It would be grand. We managed to finish it in 28 hours. And um, you get 30 hours to do it. That's the cutoff finished in 28 hours it's still the most pain I've ever been in my life it's it was I was just an incredible excruciating pain and after that again just like I kind of like that kind of like external motivation motivating me to um, to uh, let's say you know keep me going so I fell off again started drinking heavily again started um, you know living the life that I really didn't want to live Um, And from kind of August, when I finished that 100 miler to, you know, through into the 31st of December, I think I went through some of the worst period of my life in terms of my depression and my my alcohol abuse and kind of came to the same predicament that I had been in many times before on the 1st of January 2019. I was like, you know, what are we going to do to change? You know, what are we going to do to, you know, if a 100 mile race can't fix you what you what your you know what is going on in your head, you know what will, and um, I kind of made the decision then, without me even really kind of knowing it, that I wasn't going to be like. I wasn't going to ask the world to solve my problems for me anymore. I wasn't going to ask a marathon or a 100-mile race or some dude that I had seen on Instagram, David Goggins, to come and, you know, save my, save my life. And uh, that was going to, you know, get me back on this track and join you know, to a place where I can just be in my mind. And I made that decision. I made that decision by kind of switching the question around. I was asking myself, you know, all the time, how are you going to change? How are you going to get back to, you know, the way things were when you were fit and you had some drive in you and you were motivated and you're ambitious? And I was asking myself, why, like, why do you want to get back to there? Why do you want to go, you know, do these things? Why do you want to uh, do better? Why, Why do you want a life that isn't just, you know, living for the weekend, working your nine to five? Why do you want something different than that? And when I asked myself those questions, I started getting different answers and then one thing led to another i decided that i'd give another go at an ultra marathon and did a 200 mile race and i actually ended up winning it and uh it was kind of i suppose the period and time in between that really is the most important thing
0: and when you were kind of talking about kind of the lows of like the alcohol um, being unhappy with with where you were at and stuff like that how bad had it got to kind of being not happy with kind of like if I had, if I had finished say a hundred mile race, I wouldn't shut up about it. I'd be like wear a t shirt every single day. But mm. you were you didn't seem to get that fulfillment out of that. Yeah. Uh like, how did you kind of? Do you think you fill that gap, or do you think that gap is still kind of a little bit empty?
1: Jesus, that's a that's a good question. Um, like I suppose, I I don't. I don't look at it as a gap to fill anymore, I suppose, is the main thing. You know, um, I, I, when I was looking at my life as this kind of thing that needed to be filled with stuff uh, was when I was in, a, was in a terrible state because when you look upon your life as something to fill up, you're never going to fill it. You're never going to be able to get to that point where everything is just as it is and, you know, in the right place. So when I started kind of thinking about my life in that it was something that I should be living for myself. And um, it was something that the world was never going to hand me, um, you know, the the answers to everything. And, you know, it it was going to be up to me from the very, very start. And when I made that decision, I think that's when it didn't, it wasn't about filling a gap. And it wasn't about trying to get back to a life that I was in, but more so about living the life that I was in right there and then.
0: I really like that because I know we were talking off air about kind of the two situations of two lives that we've had. And a lot of people's journeys are can change at any point. And I think what's happening now is obviously changing people's lives in various different ways. Was there one point you were like, I need to cop the fuck on or was there like.
1: Oh, it? there was multiple times when I when I thought I should cop the fuck on like um, loads of times. I remember after my brother's stag, we went to Prague for my brother's stag, and I remember getting home from that, and I felt like I felt like I'd some, i some I'd been hit by a train, but like physically and mentally, you know, I was just you know destroyed from that, and that's something that's out of the ordinary. But it kind of just when you get when I used to get into that zone of like I would um I'd get into this kind of depressive state and this kind of almost like self loading state where like the way that I would talk to myself would just not be not be good. It would it would spiral downwards and I had loads of times like that. I had loads of times where I had to have the chat with myself, like, you know, ah Connor come on now like you know you gotta cop the fuck on here like and stop you know messing around. But I think there was only kind of there was wo- there was one exact moment when I realised that I was on the way out of that train of thought and where i was on to this kind of newer path of actually like finding out what i'm about uh, and finding out who who who's inside of here and i remember um you know when i made the decision about two or three days after i i, I kind of woke up and had this kind of talk of myself on the on the first of january 2019 i bumped into mark my buddy who i'd done the connemara hundred mile with and he had stayed on the ultramarathon trail he had done like he had done a marathon, in, an ultramarathon in Wicklow, another 100 miler in Wicklow um, in December. And he was just flying fit, like, and loving his running. And he was really, really enjoying it. And I was high-stooling it for the last, like, four months, just absolutely slugging points, smoking cigarettes inside the smoking area, trying to chat women up. And he was, you know, out doing this this, these, this magnificent running and, and training and looking after himself. And we we bought at a chat, and he was like, "Oh, I'm after signing up for this 200 mile race uh, in 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 the UK." Like, I'll do with you, and like the skepticism on his face, by, I'll never forget it until the day I die. And I started like training for this 200 mile race, and there was, you know, the 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 training for the 200 mile race. Like, how do you kind of even you know try to train for something like that? You know. Um. After only running one 100 mile race before you like, there's nothing to gauge on. There's no way you can you know like gain an experience from that because I had done so little training for the for the 100 miler as well. Like you know, but I remember this. It, it was in around the second or third of February. I went out for a really long run. I had started getting up really early because you know running for a long time, running long distances takes a long time so I would get up really early so that I could run before work and I remember it was about 5 o'clock in the morning and I'd usually wear music, wear my headphones and have music playing when I was running and it, it, I, I was I was out, it was really, really cold it was February, I was really sore and I was like, I'm going to do this 30 kilometer run now and I'm going to get this done and I, you know, I just put my headphones in and I started kind of going on the road about 300 metres in I heard a beep beep in my head and I, I realized that my headphones had died. And I was like, oh, God, like what am I going to do? I've 30 kilometers left and I have no music. And I just heard three things. I heard my footsteps hit the floor and I heard my breath. And then I started to hear my thoughts. I was like, started to think about, like, you know, why had we gotten here? You know, how, how had we gotten to this place? You know, how did we gotten from, you know, uh, doing Thai boxing? moving over to Canada while I was in Canada moving over to Thailand to get another you know to reignite the Thai boxing flame to get back over to Canada to try and make another life to end up back in Ireland doing selling cars again something that I said that I'd never do again ever I was back at that job again I was like why the fuck have you left this happen why have you left this happen in that uh, you know the way that your life has gone and then I started to kind of piece through my life from, like, I mean, no, I started piecing through my life from when I was in, like, first class. But, like, this was, like, piecing a tapestry together of the way things had gone gone that had brought me to that, right, that moment right there and then. And when I started to piece those pieces together, I started to understand who I was, how I acted, why I acted the way I acted, why I thought the way I thought, why certain things made me react in certain ways. And when I started to put those two, those things together, that was the exact point when I thought, okay, you know, we have some control here again, you know, and we actually can, we can actually start kind of wading through this thing. And things just started to bother me less. You know, I just started, I just had a more of a calmness in my mind uh, because I was able to work through what had gone on beforehand. I was able to sit down with all the demons that had been there throughout all of these periods in time in my life and as I sat down with them and I dealt with them I was able to actually you know, live my life in the present more you know, and, and not think about these things and not get this reaction from myself every time I thought about them and it just kind of went on from there
0: I think one big point that I would take away from what you've just mentioned there would be about being with your thoughts I think a lot of people out there are afraid of doing it because they're afraid of where it's going to take them but from someone who has had mental health issues like myself, it you have to you have to do it, um, in order to figure out whatever direction. And um, if the direct like you said that you went a lot of various different directions, but yeah. they all they brought you back into where you are now. And if you hadn't potentially gone any direction and just kind of stayed stayed where you were, you wouldn't be where you are now. So it's important to yeah. kind of, I think so, so many people are afraid of failing. And what they're gonna do because they think that everyone else is going to judge them for what they're gonna do. I remember when I set set up the the business, I was like, "This is a bad move. I'm gonna fail. It's gonna be an embarrassing blah blah blah." But now it's like, my mates are couldn't be more supportive. My family couldn't be more supportive over it. We we build things up in our heads, when those those things probably never happen. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 important to kind of as you said, deal with those demons yourself and get uncomfortable to be comfortable. Um, and I think that that's, that's a massive thing. You've mentioned the, the, the bit about the music. Um, do you run now with music or are you still no music?
1: I kind of switch it up. I'd always, I don't like, because music has always been like a huge part of my life, like a ginormous part of my life. Um, I, I like I'm a huge fan of funk and soul and blues music and hip hop music especially. And that has always just been kind of like almost a soundtrack to my life, um, you know, just listening to those to those songs. So I always keep them with me but I'm it's because I've gotten a far better skill at thinking to thinking and, and a at a better skill of, of hearing myself. Um so I can have those the the tracks playing sometimes and i can still have a good think about like certain aspects of what's happened that day or what you know why did i react a certain way to something happening you know the other day or whatever the case would be i can still do it with talking but i really do like cutting the music off for a couple of kilometers every time i go out for a run and just let me be me on the road and anytime i want to run fast i never wear music if I, if I want to run fast, I never wear music because when I'm, when you're, when I'm trying to run fast, I'm th- I'm not thinking about like every kilometre. I'm thinking about every single stride. So I have to be like right there in the moment. I can't think about anything else other than is my posture right? Is my breathing right? You know, how are my strides? How is my, you know, my gait? You know, whatever the case may be. So I never keep music. I never uh, have music on when I'm doing that because I have to be really present. When i want it when you want to go quicker
0: and in relation to kind of the motivation is kind of i have spoken about this with a few people um about motivation i spoke i think i spoke about it with shane i spoke about it with ben mudge i've spoken about it with brian and everyone has a different answer and a different take on it some people mm-hmm. believe motivation is a thing some people don't believe motivation is a thing that it should be like dedication rather than motivation that's how you should phrase it a lot of people now with, the, with what's going on are potentially at a standstill with potentially their weight loss journey or their fitness journey or they were kind of building up to an endurance event I know we're going to be talking about the event that you had planned coming up um, and how how that's been kind of put on hold but you've replaced it with something else. Do you think motivation is a thing and how do you yourself deal with it when there's days you don't want to do anything?
1: Um, I this is kind of a. This is going to be, but well, maybe take a bit of time to answer. <laughs> I get an awful lot of people saying to me that I have motivated them in in whichever way, um, it it may be you know motivated them to do anything, not just running or whatever the case would be, but I've motivated them to maybe even um you know to to take on something that they usually wouldn't have. But what I would like for anybody that has been quote unquote motivated by what I have done. Um, I would ask them to think about that. Think about what has triggered them. What thought or what aspect of what I'm doing has, has triggered whatever has happened inside of them. And why do you think that that happened? Because if you, th- if you think about that, if you think about why it affected you in that way, nothing to do with me, but if, why it affected you in that way, you might actually be able to get a lot of answers as to how or why you feel like you need to have that motivation or why you need to have something external that's telling you to do something when it should just, it should be coming from you, but, like, uh, like, I've had years and years and years where it wasn't coming from me either, you know? So I never look upon people that aren't motivated to do things and, you know, oh, I'd love to run a marathon, but I, I never will, you know? I, never, I don't look upon those people and kind of go, ah, oh, Jesus, you should. I just, I look upon them and go, okay, well, you think about why, why, why do you think that this is happening? And why do you think that you're reacting in a positive way, let's say, why are you reacting in a positive way to seeing me do something? Or to seeing me, you know, do this or hearing me talk about this certain aspect of something. Why is that resonating with you? Why is that getting into your brain to the point where it's making you do things? It's making you lace up your runners and go for a run, or it's making you um, you know, sign up for a race or whatever the case may be. Why is it driving you to do that? because when you actually turn it away from the external away from the person away from the event away from whatever it is and you focus it on your on yourself that's when you get the key to where you don't need to be motivated anymore you don't need to be topped up it's not like a, a you know Motivation is like a fuel, maybe let's say. And it's like you have to pull into the petrol station of motivation and refuel every now and then when you feel like shite. You won't need to do that anymore because it's coming from inside you. I have days all the time where I don't want to do things. Like I'm doing um, 320 press ups a day throughout the month to make 10,000, just over 10,000 in the 32 days. And there, like, my alarm goes off every half an hour from eight thirty to four o'clock, and that means get down, should do twenty press ups, right? The amount of times when I've just sat down to a nice meal, nice food, I'm, I'm after running or something, or I'm after pushing a fucking car or whatever it is. The other times where that's went off, and I'm like, I I really don't want to do this right now, but I get up and I do it because each time where I feel like I have done something in the moment where i really don't want to do it it's strengthening that side of me it's strengthening that side of me that doesn't need the motivation it doesn't need a top up of whatever i don't need to read a book or i don't need to listen to a a song or i don't need to watch a motivational you know three minute video on youtube i don't need that anymore because i've already said to the part that to the side of me that wants me to fucking do shit all and wants me to not go running or not lace up the runners or not get down and do 20 press-ups, I've already faced that person a thousand times already. I can face him again, do you know what I mean? And I can face him again. And each time I face that side of me that doesn't want to do anything, I get stronger at it and I get better at it because it's a skill. It's not something like a a characteristic trait. I wasn't born Conor the 200-mile runner. It's something that you can you can build upon it's a skill that you can hone so motivation for me is it should be very very little absolutely nothing really to do with the outside world of you outside of what you are and who you are it should be everything to do with who you are why do i want to do these things the reason why i want to do all of these things is because i want the best from myself and i don't want to take my life for granted i don't want to take my life for granted i've I've obviously been given you know, some sort of a skill for endurance and I, I, I know that I've always wanted to help people. That's always something that I wanted to do. And I've combined the skill of the endurance and my want and desire to help others. I've combined the two of them and and that to me is is not taking my life for granted. Um I've been I've been absolutely gifted with uh, the ability to get up put my feet under my uh, under myself in the morning walk around to be able to make my coffee in the morning to be able to talk to my parents to be able to talk to my dog to walk the dog to do all of these things I don't want to take that for granted by just you know not doing things because I don't feel like doing them you know yeah. so
0: no I I, I I love that it is so important to find your why there will be days you don't want to do anything there will be days that Sometimes it's okay to do nothing as well, and and that and that's okay as well. But I think a lot of people put motivation, can put motivation up on pedestals, and they are going through all these like self-help books, all this kind of stuff, looking for a secret answer. When the secret answer is the six inches between the two ears, right. uh, and there is no secret answer. Everyone has to have, everyone will have a different why. Like my why to compare it to Connors will be completely different, and I'll have a completely different goal as well. Uh, but it's still goes into that intrinsic thing of finding that why and i think a lot of people forget that why and when they are having little little blips and stuff like that it is important just to put two feet in front of the other and try to to, to, to kind of be aggregate be on aggregate ahead if you know what i mean uh, yeah
1: like uh, the 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 other half of motivation and the other half of what you're just talking about there is a lot of the times people do exactly the opposite of what they should do in situations like that. They beat themselves up. So they beat themselves up saying, oh my God, I'm such a fucking idiot. I've just been lounging around here and I've been eating shit and all this kind of stuff. And they've just been drilling that into themselves, into their head, right? Part of, a huge part of the reason why I was able to stay on this track is because I actually found out how to talk to myself. And I found out how to be compassionate, and I found out how to forgive myself for things. And there's often times where you will come across these periods in time where you don't do the things you're supposed to do. You'll make the wrong call, you make the wrong decision, you'll look over at the runners and you'll say, uh, "Fuck it, I'll try on that show on Netflix," and I'll, you know, and I'll drink a bottle of wine. And there's times that you'll do that, but you're human you make mistakes you have to be able to move forward and you know what i'd actually prefer if somebody was let's say if i was mentoring someone right i would prefer somebody that somebody that would be able to do something and then take responsibility for it versus someone who would let's say skip a 5k run right and you know eat an easter egg and sit, uh, and miss a five k run, and then the next day they beat themselves up so bad they run twenty k. I prefer somebody who would uh, instead of going out and beasting themselves for twenty k, said, "Do you know what? It was absolutely, you know, that was just a, a I made a bad decision. I made a bad decision that I shouldn't, that I should have went out and done this five k, and I instead I I sat down and I ate Easter egg." And you know why? Because that's not in conjunction with my goals and the way that I want to live my life, and the go- and the, the way that I want my life to be. Someone and and I said, and you know what? I'm going to try better tomorrow, and I'm going to get that 5K tomorrow. If if you look at the two people, who's more likely to stay on the on the, the way of life that they want to live? It's the person that accepts the responsibility for the decisions that they make. They're compassionate with themselves because they realize that they're human and they are practical about the way that they're going to go about it whereas then you've got somebody who's getting a complete emotional response a complete another emotional response of you are such a fucking idiot you should have went out and got that 5k and you sat down you ate that fucking easter egg you're gonna go tomorrow and you're gonna run 20k and you might run 20k but at the end of it all you're just going to be in a way worse place mentally and that's the thing, like if people need to realise that, you know, you're gonna make mistakes and you are gonna have hard days and you're gonna have really, really tough days. And there's not always gonna be, you know, like to be honest with you, I've gotten to this point now where I'm almost like it's almost designed in my brain that if I don't wanna do something, I'll go do it. Do you know what I mean? It's like that that's the way that my mind is starting to work now. But it was not always like that at all. And pe- and it, it's gonna be like this is the way that I want to like Go with my life this is how i want to make my living you know this is the way that i want to go about these things is to make my living in the way of of making these decisions so not everybody is going to be on this in in a kind of a you know in the same kind of frame of mind and there's an awful lot more balls in the air for certain people as well they'll have kids or they'll have a mortgage or they'll have all these things that i don't have going on so i accept all of those things too but what you need to do is you need to be able to control how you talk to yourself and control the controllables and those are the things that are, that are really gonna help you stay on track. Not not fucking, you know, motivational videos or, or anything like that. Nothing like that is gonna help you keep on track. What's gonna help you keep on track is talking to yourself in a way that you would give advice to your friend. Imagine you know like the amount of times that people have sat down and they'd be inside and costa coffee and you'd overhear like no Yeah, yeah yeah jeez I know what you should do now, you should do yoga. Or blah blah blah, you know. And everybody is trying to advise everybody on this, but maybe talk to yourself like you'd advise your mate. Maybe that's a good way of saying
0: it. Yeah, you know? it's uh, no. I I really like the the self compassion thing because I think a lot of people wouldn't talk to themselves the way they like. They wouldn't talk to their friends the way they talk to themselves. Mm, and absolutely. even and that and that applies to also to so say if someone is on a fitness journey or a weight loss journey, and they see something in the mirror that they don't like the eyes automatically go down to like say my stomach is is a little bit big or my legs are a little bit big or my arms are a little bit fat or whatever it may be. And mm-hmm. you're, you're honing in on that. You're not looking at the positive step that you've made, that you've had vegetables with every meal or fruit with every meal or you've drank two litres of water, you got eight hours of quality sleep last night and now you're having time with the kids. It's about the small little wins along the way that Absolutely. will set you up for potentially those days that, you may not want to do things and then it's taking responsibility, pressing the pause button and then press and play the next day and not being hard on yourself. So I absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more on that side of things. So uh, I love that. Um, you've spoken about one of the questions that came in from Steve. I know he's going to message you a good bit is the voice in the head. Everyone has a voice in their head that wants them to, 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 to tell them to stop. Mm where do, how do you push through that and how do you ignore it because some people i know when like even if you start to like i i'm not a huge runner i used to do running i used to cross country as a kid and i think that's where my hate for for running comes from because it, <laughs> yeah. it's like when you like, have nothing to do with a kid you're like no i'm not i don't want to do that yeah uh, um but like even when like if say if i i went out for a run probably like last week and after like i don't know Two K, your heart's like I'm gonna give up. I'm gonna give up. Your body just goes into shock, and it's like, what the hell is going on? But after the first like two K, your but you kind of normalise, you calm down, your breathing calms down. But how do you push through that voice in your head telling you to stop doing any of the challenges and the stuff that you're doing?
1: Um, I do the complete opposite of what uh, I think people would usually expect. I don't push it away whatsoever, and I don't try to ignore it. I try to hear it. Uh, and I'll see what it what you know it's going to plead its case, and you know like the weird thing about that voice is it's actually when I'm you know when I'm running ultramarathons or whatever and it's like you know you're 150 miles in, it's so much easier to understand, um, because it's so much linear it's so linear and understandable it's like it's coming at you from one angle right the 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 voice that the voice that gets people the most is the voice when you're not in the in the you know in the the terrible pain um like how many people would quit a marathon 38 kilometers in not many i would say very very minuscule amount right but how many people would have meant to do a 10k run in the morning and didn't do it right that's the voice that we need to focus on. It's not the voice, you know, that's saying, oh my God, Connor, you're 90 miles into this thing, like you need to stop. That's a very, very easy um, voice to, to let's say, get over or, or, you know, argue with because it's coming at you from like this angle of, you've been running for this many hours, you're in an awful lot of pain, you need to stop this. And then you go, no, I won't. Because it's very, very, very easy to understand. When you, let's say, let's say you wake up and uh, you're meant to do a 10K run. I'm just going to put it into running terms. for, And you can put it into anything you want, but you're meant to do a 10K run. But you get up and you go, fuck it, John. I actually, you know, I don't think I got great sleep last night now. I don't know, would this be good now? You know, because like the recovery, you know, my recovery might not be great now because I only got five hours sleep last night. And then I actually, I took the dog for an extra long walk last night. Those are the voices that are the most dangerous because they're really really good at making an argument for you to not do things just because you don't want to do them. It's nothing to do with the dog walk or the five hour sleep or anything like that. It's nothing to do with those That's just your that kind of side of your brain throwing these things it's like a, it's like a solicitor. Standing in front of the jury of your mind and is pleading this case for you not to lace up your runners, right? Whereas that is the most that's the most that's the hardest one to um, to to kind of get over, and it's the same one that's going to come at you. Of let's say now you were like, well, look, I want to get um, I want to get a half marathon in before work. I have to get up at half five. It's that that voice will come in when the alarm goes off at half five, and they go, oh Jesus, you know what? I don't know that I get to sleep enough, blah, blah, blah. I better set this for 8 o'clock and I can get it after work. And then when you finish work, you're like, geez, I had a tough day at work. And you don't get it at all that day. You don't get that half marathon that you're meant to do in that day or whatever the case may be because that voice is really crafty and it's really good at presenting a really good argument for you. How I get over those voices is I just go, oh, well, automatically, once those voices come into my head, I just see it as an opportunity. I honestly do. I just see it as an opportunity now for me to beat that voice. That's the way I look upon it. I go right, okay. The last thing I tell you now, right? I was I was sitting down and I was eating a bowl of soup and a and a sandwich today. And my alarm went off for twenty press ups. And I swear to God, I I couldn't actually quantify how little I wanted to go get down and do those twenty press ups. And that's exactly why I put the plate down and went, and and did them because if you get those opportunities now, like if I, if I can say that to anybody, if you see yourself saying all of these things and these, this thing of you not to do something right. If you beat that voice just one time, you're already better off that whole week. If you beat him once, if you beat that voice twice, you're onto a fucking serious winner. If you beat that voice 10 times, then you're in control. Because, there's so many times where i are not going to want to do things and I'm on about like the smallest of things cleaning my room making my bed you know sometimes like you know, taking the dog out when it's really late now and you're after a really long day and you need to take the dog out so he can go do his and poo around the place those tiny things all of those things you get better at doing all of those things you get better at doing because all the time you're going to be presented with these things where it's so much easier to do shit all and where you won't take that voice because you've already beaten him a million times over so he doesn't he doesn't register as strongly anymore for me because i've you know i've i've, I've seen what he has to say so many times and i've just decided to go the complete opposite way and sometimes look it look sometimes i i you know it it, it won't work out for you all the time because there's certain certain times where like i'm after getting very good at listening to my body and what my body's trying to tell me but like when i do these challenges and stuff like that it doesn't really matter what my body tells me it's gonna happen you know, it has to you know we just have to keep going but like you know on normal training weeks there's times when i kind of probably should have just you know taken the kind of you know the the, the lighter route and then i end up getting sick or injured or something like that but like i'm getting better at that i'm getting better at listening to my body and like Giving in less to ego too sometimes, you know what I mean. So it's a it's a constant kind of a, it's a constant thing of trying to balance it. But uh, yeah, like that's the most dangerous uh, voice because the voice when you're like, do you know, like no one's gonna drop out of a marathon at the thirty nine kilometers in. Do you know what I mean? You're in a lot of pain. You're in a lot more pain than you would be in a you know a ten a five k lunchtime run. But you're far more likely to not to to skip that run. Than to not finish that three k, do you know what I'm saying? So it's it, it, it's just though it's the it's the it's the voices that make a really 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 good argument. They're the they're the one you have to really watch out for.
0: I love that. I've never I've never thought about it that way. That it's the small little voices that are kind of like. I think a lot of people can definitely resonate with the fact that what you said, the whole thing of oh, I'm going to wake up at say six a.m. to go to the gym, or I and then you push it back to the evening. I know myself i am not at peak performance in the evening i feel better in the morning i feel fresher i feel stronger i have more energy so i know the morning is when i, I have my sweet point point. and there will be like today i didn't want to train at all and i felt i feel so i trained before i ca- ca- came on the podcast like i feel so much better for doing it i didn't want to do it There are like people do put up these little things on pedestals but like it is the small steps, small little things, small little wins. I need to celebrate those, show compassion to yourself and take responsibility for where you're at. I think those all that kind of digs into or links in together uh, from what you said. There was when I was doing the research for the, the podcast today, there was an analogy that you used on one of your posts. I can see the panic in Connor's face is like, what did I say? No,
1: yeah, it's good, it's good. <laughs> um, also, I say I'm
0: able to. I'm able to hold court. Like, <laughs> um, one the analogy was the was the one tree analogy. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit more and kind of what it means? And I think a lot of people will resonate with this. And that people have been knocked down before and stuff like that. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit more?
1: What? Sorry, right? I didn't catch it.
0: The one tree analogy, and not letting that kind of affect you, because we've all had those little knocks along the way, and how to kind of cope with those little knocks. I think
1: the I think the biggest thing for people is, um, you know, whenever they get onto this kind of a a road, it's like um, it's like it's like a bricklayer, right? A bricklayer that wants to, you know, gets his certificate. The first thing they want to do is, I want to build the Great Wall of China, right? It's like people will uh, people will want so much straight away um, from and you know what you were saying there like listen, I'm going to set my alarm and I wake up at six o'clock in the morning. I had done that so many times before I had done you know before I had actually finished this thing was I uh, I, I I I would have um, I would have set the alarm for six o'clock in the morning so many times and had so much conviction as well. You know, like I'm, I'm gonna, gonna get up now. I'm gonna run the 10k, and I'm gonna do this, that, and the other thing. And I never really did. You know, I never did actually follow through with it. I might have got up at like, you know, half seven or whatever, and done or two or three kilometers. Whatever the case be, I think what most people need to realize is that you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to build, and you're going to have to have um, the you're going to have those those tiny steps forward before you build into anything. And if I can honestly say, I don't actually remember the exact analogy that I've made (laughs) as well.
0: The analogy alluded to not letting anyone tell you you can't do something because I think a lot of people can, Like there are stories that we tell ourselves and that holds us back, but sometimes we put too much emphasis onto what other people tell us we can't do. So I know that when I was in school per se, that i was told by teachers that i wasn't great in school so i believe that mm. but then now you can't get my head out of a book or can't get a podcast out of my ears yeah yeah But it's so important that we don't let people tell us not to do something can you can you any examples yeah. on that
1: oh well the the thing that um for me i i didn't really uh when i when i was kind of talking about that it was more on about yourself uh, like you know there's so many people that will tell you you know that will tell you that you know certain things are just not for you or you know you'd be better suited to this that or the other thing, and try and put it in a roundabout way that you shouldn't go about and do something that you wanna do, but most of the time I found in my life the person that was telling me that I shouldn't or couldn't do something was me and um, I just felt like uh I, I felt like once I started to actually um do you know, like, people say, like, oh, believe and you will achieve. I think that's harsh shit, right? But, like, I really do believe that, like, I really do believe that you need to have both belief and action. But the belief should stimulate the action. The action shouldn't stimulate the belief. You shouldn't believe just because you've done something. You should try and believe through the process. So what I what I would say to people is, there's going to be a million different people that are going to either want you to fail because they don't want you to do something that they haven't done, or they'll want you know they want some uh, like I know there's probably a lot of people watching me that probably you know that are watching me, especially with around Project Thirty Two, that are watching me strictly to see if I'll fail or not, you know. And there's going to be people like that, or they're going to come across in your life. And there's going to be people now, like similar to what you're doing there in Ocean. There's probably a lot of people clients that come to you that haven't dip their toe into fitness whatsoever they want to lose some weight and they want to live a healthier lifestyle there are people that they know and it might be someone as close to them now as their mother or father or whatever that doesn't want to see them do it and i mean it like because there's people that don't that that just don't want you to change from the perception that they have of you and yes they are probably they're they're the people that are you know that are going to tell you you know that you can or can't do something right but the main person that you have to convince that you're able to do something is you. So if you say to yourself that you're going to be able to do these things, I never really, uh, I never really touched base with this when I was a boxer. I, I actually only covered this on my Instagram today. Um, somebody asked me, "Have I ever dealt with imposter syndrome?" And imposter syndrome is like you know basically when you don't believe that you should be somewhere or you know you get a new you get a new promotion. And you don't believe that you're, you know, that you're, yeah, that um, you're deserving of it, or you're capable of doing it, or whatever the case may be. I had serious imposter syndrome through my fighting career. Um, I had about twenty-one fights, and I and I won fifteen of them. And every single one of them, I thought I was going to lose because I believed that the person that I was fighting was better than I was. And I even I trained seriously hard, as in like. I definitely trained the hardest in my gym anyway for sure. I was the I was definitely the hardest trainer. I was the first in, last out. I was always the one putting in that extra 10%. But it, I always thought like it was because it was because I liked to train hard. But it wasn't. It was because I had no belief in myself. I had no belief in the in the um, in how good I was. So if I'm if if the person that I'm fighting is better than me, then I need to be fitter than him because I don't believe that I should be in the ring with him. You know, I don't believe that I should be at that level. So if I'm not believing that, then I better try and make myself believe through my actions. So I don't want to believe through my actions anymore. I want to, I want to, I, I, I like, I, I don't want to believe because of my actions. I want to act because of my belief, you know, and that's where it has changed for me. And so when people are kind of starting all of these different things, whether it's your careers or you're starting a master's or you're starting, you know, a fitness journey or you're training for a race or you're training for whatever the case may be, you should always back yourself. Always back yourself. And, like, if you if you actually – if you have absolutely no support from anybody else, only from yourself, you'll do it. I promise you, you'll do it because – the. Like regardless if let's say my mother and father were supportive or not, they're very supportive of me by the way. But if, if they weren't supportive of me, that's not going to stop me from clicking the alarm at five o'clock in the morning and getting up and running. It's me who's going to stop me from doing that. And it actually does come a lot down to the belief because like if you believe that I, if I believe that I'm going to be able to, you know, that I'm going to, I believe. One thing about the 200 mile race. I never believed that I actually was going to f- finish. I actually never believed that I was going to finish. I never believed that I was going to win the race, but I believed in my heart that I was going to be at the race in the best shape that I could possibly be in. And I, when I believe that it, it, it fed through my actions and that was because that was when I believed that it fed into through my actions, and that's what get, got me up at half four or five o'clock in the morning because I believed that there was a purpose behind it, and there was actually something to do with the way that I was believing in myself through my action. So if you actually, if you, if nobody else supports you, that's actually okay. It's absolutely fine. If let's say your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or your wife, no right, and there's a lot of times where people are going to go through these things that. You know, whether it's like going into further education or going for a job interview or going losing weight or, you know, getting fit, you're going to get road, you're going to get people against you in the weirdest forms. And they could be the closest people to you. And you need to realize that that's for them to figure out. They need to figure out why you changing is hurting them or why you changing is making them feel uneasy. That's their thing to sell. You don't need to worry about that. How what you need to worry about is how you talk about yourself in terms of that. So let's say your husband or your wife is is giving you shite about whatever the case may be about, you know, you're going you're going back studying or you're, you know, trying to go for this job interview or um, you know, you're you're losing weight and you're going to the gym and you're getting fit and there there there's some sort of a problem with it. You need to realize that, that is, that's not your problem to take on. It's their problem to take that on or whatever the case may be. And it's the same for anybody else. And not in a negative way, not in a kind of a fuck the haters way because that gets nobody no, anywhere. But you need to be compassionate for them too as well. You need to be compassionate and say that they're, see that they're human and they make the mistakes. That's not going to knock you off your trail, and that's not going to knock you off what you're trying to achieve. So as long as you keep your head and you keep your thoughts supportive and believing in yourself, there's nothing you won't be able to do, and I and I promise you that.
0: I love that because I think the the analogy you used there about kind of the weight loss journey. I think a lot of people do kind of feel the kind of the 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 stigma, where they feel like that if they fail, that other people are going are going to judge them, and sometimes they're it's almost like analysis by paralysis and I think they won't do anything because of the fear of failure but you're going to learn more from falling or having these negative times or these bad times than you are going to have like a straight line because no such thing that you, there's no such thing as a straight line or a, or a straight axis out there of kind of, of, kind of progress around like that there's always going to be days that you don't want to do stuff which we've spoken about an awful lot but there's always going to be days where like you may not believe in yourself, but it is just about kind of almost putting one foot in front of the other, self-talk, compassion and taking responsibility for where you're at. And that's the emphasis on where you're at. You can only control what you're trying to do and don't let anyone else control what you're trying to do. And I think I, I love that analogy. Like there's so many people now, this also may be the time now with kind of what's going on with COVID and stuff like that, that people, as you've alluded to, that they may go back to college, they may change jobs, they may... That may be the ideal time for them to try and take a positive out of a negative. That they may have been in a career that a lot of people are have been, are in careers that they don't enjoy. I was one of those. I worked in recruitment and sales for six years and I fucking hated every minute of it. It was great money, but I fucking hated it. Um, but some people are just kind of like tick, plodding along, plodding along. Day to day doing nine to five, doing nine to nine or whatever mental hours people do these days. But they're unhappy with... with and they're afraid to move. And sometimes it's you like now is a time for reflection as well. You have Absolutely. a little, you have a little bit more time to yourself. You're going out for your, for those two k radius walks. You're going out for do a little bit of exercise, and that's the time to be with your thoughts and potentially think. Right, what can I almost change? You can either come out of this whole thing as the same person, which is nothing wrong with that, if that's where you're after where you're happy at, or you can come out of it winning with the winning mentality and trying to improve on. What you want to do and be a close a little bit closer to that goal that you want to achieve, whether it's weight loss, whether it's a job, whether it's a better better relationship with your parents or family or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, the we spoke about this off air about kind of kind of not drinking. You recently celebrated one year off the yeah. off the booze. Um, I know from not having drank in like three years, a little bit over three years. Um. Do you think the stigma out there is improving at all, or is there a lot of work to do?
1: Um, I don't know. To be honest with you, I think that like, uh, it kind of goes to it. It kind of goes um, back to how I've selected my mates. Uh, I have a very very tight group of friends, and uh, like, I don't have an awful lot of people in my circle. And so when I did, made the decision to not drink. think it was just accepted so I wasn't I don't really have too much experience of people kind of you know uh giving me any shite about it or whatever the case be. but I've had some people give me some looks or whatever like you know like you know because I've, I've had people know that would have um it's actually very strange right you know um I've, i i had been out a couple of times like you know around christmas time or whatever the case may me and people would know you know me from instagram because cork is a tiny place like you know and like he's like oh my god yeah, uh i see you doing know, all the bad running and all that stuff can i buy you a pint and they obviously don't know that they don't drink or whatever the case may me i'm like oh yeah look i uh, look if you if you're gonna get me something give me an old uh, give me a uh, a fanta lemon or something and they're like a <laughs> phantom lemon they like they look at you weird and i think that that's that's just going to be that's just gonna be the way that things are i think in the country um for you know in in certain um i suppose in certain situations i think a lot of people are realizing that alcohol that that our relationship in this country is not so much alcohol use as it is alcohol abuse i think people are starting to realize that a bit i think that people are starting to realize that uh that there are options out there and that there's i think people's outlook towards drink is maturing um in certain aspects and it it has an awful lot to do with the companies as well because the companies are seeing the way that these trends are going and they are now moving to create options so you've got like You've got the big one, Heineken Zero, right? And that's I drink that a lot when I go out and whatever the case may be because everywhere is going to have it and it tastes all right and it's okay, you know what I mean? So then you've got like Carlsberg and then the Peroni and you've got all of them coming out now and they're all fighting for this non-alcoholic section of the thing. So it is all driven by money and it's driven by the companies. But if that drip feeds into the culture... I think it could probably be. Uh, it can be, you know, a positive. It can definitely be a positive because I realize that when only when I stopped drinking, how much I almost depended on drink for my mood and for you know for for like the way that it would like okay during the week I would just be thinking about drinking. I was thinking about going out on the Saturday night or whatever the case may be, and the Friday night and this and the Sunday night maybe, and keep you know, and, and doing all these things, and then the four days then in between that time is just thinking about is just the recovery from those days and trying to get back into normality. And then it just kind of rolls around again and you get into this loop and people are in this loop all the time. And I just feel like if we can, uh, if we can separate ourselves from this idea that Ireland is just, you know, always up for drinking and all that kind of stuff and separated, you know, separate, you know, fucking drinking drink to excess from the crack. I think that we can. I think that you could. We could move on better from it. Look, we are. Everybody's going to like having a couple of drinks and now and then. Like you know, if, I I know that like um like you know I've been sober now for like you know for barely big occasions. Like my my first ever, my first nephew was born um in november at the end of november last year and you know my dad and my brother were like well oh, we go for pints or whatever the case may be and like you know those are kind of things where it's like that's just a natural kind of passage of things it's like you know you know wet the baby's head or whatever the case may be, and people are going to go and they're going to have their mad ones but you have to look you, you you have to make your own decisions about drink you have to make your own decisions on whether you have it under control you like the place it has in your life um, and and whether you want to change or not, Joe, Do you know, I, I don't want to say to people don't you be drinking too much now, Joe, you, know, you need to just you need to make the decision as an adult of where 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 you are with drink.
0: Yeah, I think you have hit the nail on the head there. I think I know it was like it was a bit of adjustment at the beginning. I think weddings were tougher than stag's, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Because uh, yeah. with, with stag's it was your mates and they, as you said, I have a close group of friends and stuff like that, and they were like, okay, well she's not drinking, that's fine but when it came to weddings it was different people coming into the kind of the, the circle and they were kind yeah, of putting yeah. left right and center like okay and you're just giving the drink to one of the lads or whatever it be. but like there are more options out there i think as long as you're not kind of want like trying to ram it down people's throats that you're like teetotal i think that's what a lot of people are afraid of is that they you would they that they will be judged i think it as you've alluded to on a previous question was that sometimes people are afraid of their own things or their own comfort in it or how they use they're using it themselves, um. And I think it is improving. I think now the time now that's going on at the minute, people are getting a lot more inventive of how they're spending their time, with the likes of house party having quizzes. Have like I've got I've got come dine with me on Friday night with the lads. Everyone yeah. cooks the same recipe and everyone sits there and everyone's on the same screen on Zoom. You that's get, It's I I it's a genius idea, but everyone's yeah. getting inventive and I think now. Because we've no other choice but to adapt the situation, it is kind of one of those things. Um,
1: There's only so much Instagram stro- scrolling you can do in one day, like you know. I think people are realizing that their day needs to be filled with other stuff. Do you know what I mean? And uh, and it's it's good to see, as you said, it's good to see people getting inventive and you know and 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 really thinking outside the box. I, I think it's very enjoyable. Like
0: it's class, and like I think what like the the, the scrolling on Instagram is such an easy thing to kind of resort to or kind of if you're kind of a little bit more idle like i read a book recently digital minimalism um and they mentioned an app on that that you can kind of curb when you look at instagram so i've been trying to do that now that i I won't look at it between kind of 9 a.m until like 7 p.m and then i'll look at it for like 15 20 minutes just to respond to dms and um to pop you a message uh and then i'll turn it off now (laughs) Yeah. like eight, it's automatically on my phone now it will, it will log off at eight o'clock until kind of nine o'clock tomorrow morning uh, and that's just one of those things and i feel so much more productive because i know that little kind of little urge or little knock on my head to kind of say right let's scroll for the crack it's 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 not it's not doing anything for you the the project 32 that has yeah. that has unfortunately been kind of postponed until 8 a day you're doing new challenges at the minute when you were doing Project Thirty Two or kind of training for it, do you, how what was your nutrition like? What was your sleep like? What was your support like? Did you have a coach or how were you kinda of working around it?
1: Yeah, um my it was very, very strange. I about a week before I was I did my first ever hundred miler I, I met my, my no physio, you know? And it was like a week beforehand and I was like, here, yeah, boy, I'm actually broke up and uh I, I you know, I need you to kind of put me together for this 100 mile race and he, he was like oh Jesus have you, did you do many of these like no I did one marathon there and I decided to give this a lash so we kind of we got he, he kind of knew what he was getting into um, from like the first time we ever met so uh, Donica Long is his name Fit for Long is his handle and uh, I when I met when I met Donica, I just got on with him really well um, just you know just had a great chat with him and uh, he just seemed like a sound kind of open kind of dude and I just you know I just got on with him really really well from the get-go and then he kind of became he's now my um, strength and conditioning coach and my my neuromuscular therapist as well so he does all of my you know my sports massage my whatever the case me taking care of me putting me back together and he does all the stuff to break me down as well so he gives me all the stuff to do with the gym and whatnot um, and I kind of look after the running side of it kind of myself but he, he does all the S&C stuff and everything with me so he's kind of been supportive of that, he hasn't charged me a dime in a long long time um, because he believes in what we're doing he believes in you know the project so he's been very very supportive in that regard And um, my nutrition, I kind of posted up some nutritional kind of principles that I go with, I'm very not sciency when it comes to this i had a very kind of a actually believe it or not I, i've had a very turbulent um life as many people probably have i've had a turbulent life with, with eating right because i was very overweight as a kid and very overweight into my kind of teenage years into like 14 15 and then i demonized um, food or like fatty food or whatever the case may be for years when i was in thai boxing because you have to be at a certain weight, and I would have to cut a lot of weight, because I used to fight really light, I used to fight at 69 kilos, like I'm 6 foot 2, so like, I used to fight at incredibly low weight, like I, I had a BMI of like 17.2 or something, it was like mad, Amazing. but I I, I, I got, I, I, and then that kind of fed into kind of a body image complex, that I had as well, so like I've had such ups and downs with uh, with food that i also made the decision that i wasn't going to either like put it on a pedestal or demonize it i wasn't going to either which way when it came to my nutrition so i said what we're going to do is we're going to lay out these very simple easy principles for us to manage right so one of the principles was if i was eating something i'd always try and have fat protein and carbohydrates so i'd always like to have all three so, because I never wanted to negate any of them because everyone's like, have you ever tried like low carb diets now for when you're running and all that stuff? I'm like, no, because like my body needs everything. My body needs all of the stuff that I, that I need. Um, I would up my calories on really, really high exertion days and I would lower my calories on very, very low exertion days. So just very, very non-sciencey, just eat less when I did less and that was it. Um, just to kind of manage my weight, just to make sure that my my, my weight was uh, was fairly okay, and that it wasn't fluctuating, because you want your weight to kind of stay, you know, in a state of homeostasis, you want to be able to just kind of stay in your natural kind of weight, So, and if I wanted to lose a bit of weight, obviously I'd, you know, I'd cut down calories again or whatever, and I'd always said, get your two, two and a half to three litres of water a day, if you have a long exertion day, up your water as well because you're going to need it for, you know, you're going to lose it in sweat and probably further met- metabolic reactions. So I'd have my water, I'd have plenty of water during the day. And I'd always say if I was ever going to eat something bad, I'd eat something good with it as well. So if I was ever going to have like, I, like I, I've been, eyeing up an Easter egg there now for the last, I don't know how long. And I'm like, I'm trying to be kind of, you know, in halfway decent about my, my nutrition. So if I eat that now, I'll make a smoothie with like, kale and loads of other stuff as well and i'll have that so i'll always have a bit of good with the bad and those are the kind of principles that i kind of follow because it's easy for me to follow joy i you know it doesn't cause me any stress to wonder wonder about these things you know what i mean it doesn't stress me out if i you know if i do this or i do that and like okay do i have the calories for this i probably do that's grand joy it doesn't really it doesn't um you know impact on my life that much in terms of like my stuff for ultra endurance if I can give anybody who's like oh, who sees this podcasting, oh, he's an ultra endurance runner. I want to do ultra endurance for ultra endurance. When you're when you are uh, when you are uh, racing or you're in a really long training run, for both hydration and for food, I, I like to use L-O, E-L-O, early, little, and often. Just get get if you're not hungry, eat, and if you're not thirsty, drink at the start keep it lumping into you because if you're hungry or you're thirsty it's already too late so i would always say start your hydration and your nutrition early so you could have had your breakfast a big breakfast an hour before you know you started your your ultra whatever the case may be and then you know you could be 20 minutes into it and eat a bar and i mean that like as in start start it straight away because your body's going to start eating into energy and it's going to start. using it, using metabolic reactions to keep you going. So early, little, and often. And that goes for, for hydration, especially during runs. Get it into you early, get it into you a little at a time. Don't be slugging it, and get it into you often as many times as you can.
0: I love that. Um, and it's an incredible, it's an incredible, like the Project 32 is, is incredible. Um, and the, the workouts and stuff like that you're doing at the minute, it's like it's gone from the 9K car push it's done a half marathon, one k farmers walks, the Schlitter challenge, which we we're talking about as well. Yeah, which, yeah. which, is, like, I, if I picked up a hurl I wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, but like, it's it's the the ideas like, where are you getting the ideas from? The challenges are you kind of like are, are there stuff that you're seeing other people do on social media or YouTube or what is it or where are you got yeah. kind of, or are you just like, getting messages from mates saying let's try this and let's get like the, it's, let's mess it's this a bit up.
1: With- it's a bit of everything. Like I've a mad old fucking head on my shoulders anyway. Like I'll, you know, I'll think about the craziest shit you can think of, and I, I'll do it. Like you know, but what? Uh, like the car push that was actually it was only one kilometer car push. It was that that was uh, that was with uh, that was from Damien Brown from Old Stock. Oh yeah, uh, He he did two eighty meter um, foot pushes of a van. And I saw it on his story, and I was like, you know, I was just like, know, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's fairly cool, whatever. And he goes, Have you thought about it for one of your challenges? And I was like, Fuck, no, you put it into my head, I, I will like. So that's where that came from. The, the, the three kilometer um of solos, and every time I drop the ball, I do something. That came from my buddy who was mad into the GA, so he just like, you should do uh, you should like a hurling challenge for all us. Yeah, so I was like, John, I will because so, like I haven't touched, as you said, no, I've touched early since it's about 11 So I just like, "John, we throw it right into the deep end," and uh, it was kind of one of those things where I didn't actually know how it was going to go until it actually happened. So, I, and that's the stuff that I like—the stuff that I'm not sure about, I don't know about, I have a lot of uncertainty about. That's the stuff that I kind of go for. And I got a suggestion today that I should do the 4K walk from uh, the 4K walk from Electric Picnic. That I should uh, walk four kilometers with twenty four cans, um, a sleeping bag, a tent, and like clothes for like three or four days, and I should do that. And loads of people are saying that I should do it, and I was like, you know "What? I'll do it." You know, are
0: you, you going to use a trolley for the booze? Or are you going to carry the booze in your hands?
1: I, I I actually don't even know because I'm like, if I buy the booze, there's no one to drink it because my, you know, like I don't drink, like so it's like do I just use the weight or what do I do like you know but the cans would just be better like you know it would just be it more it kind of yeah more ending,
0: you know uh, yeah because it would be interesting to see if you actually carried them in your hand or would you be uh one of the fancy folk with the with the wheels the yeah
1: no because i know where i i know where i take it as well because there's like a woods across the way from my house and it's just the worst terrain ever and i was like oh, i'd take it up that and i carry all the cans and the tent and the sleeping bag and everything with me so it's probably it's definitely going to happen like you know <laughs> i'm definitely going to do it because it just sounds like a bit of fun as well you know and it sounds like you know something that people can resonate with as well you know so if it's gonna make money for the charity, you know, I'll do it. I'd say, you know, and and everyone was saying, everyone was saying as well, you should actually get your dad to search you for drugs during the middle of it as well. <laughs>
0: That'll be very good with the high vis on.
1: Yeah, get the high vis, John. No, <laughs> uh,
0: that's class. Uh, where can people donate to the the amazing cause? And what like? They're more, like everyone has a reason for picking a charity and stuff like that. Can you kind of talk about that? That's going to be the last question and stuff. Why you yeah. picked uh, Peter House and where can people donate? And I'm definitely going to put in a link where people can donate at the end uh, to support the cause. And I've made a donation already myself. So,
1: yeah, thank you very much, my man. Um, it, the the reason why I picked Peter House was because I didn't know enough about them when I needed them. Um, so I said what I'm going to do is, because I didn't know about Pieda House, or, like, I knew the name, but I didn't know the extent of what they did, and I didn't know the extent that they, you know, that they're a suicide prevention service, and that they're a suicide grievance um, uh, counselling service as well. I didn't know that they helped people that had, you know, suicidal thoughts, and, and like, and I had dealt with that in in my past, and I didn't know that they're completely free I didn't know that they're very, very easy to, to actually co- get in contact with and set up meetings and appointments with. So I I said to myself, because I've had uh, family members and friends take their own lives, and I thought to myself, well, look, if it, if it can lead one person to not go down the line of taking their own life and can actually, uh, can actually point them in the direction of contacting the house, then let's go for it then i then as i kind of got to know more about the workings of the charity i realized that it takes about a thousand euro for somebody to get kind of a full series of counseling and um, from pa the house so i said well look jesus it's going to cost an awful lot of money to help people i'd like to help at least 100 people um so i wanted to raise a hundred thousand euro and um that, that that kind of like led me to led me to think of project 32 because I wanted something that I suppose fed into my endurance background but also kind of had some sort of a symbolic nature as well. and that's why I decided to do the 32 marathons in 32 days in the 32 counties with the 32 pounds on my back and lose a pound a day because I wanted to lose that that weight that I felt uh, of those negative thoughts going through my mind. And I wanted to lose that weight again, but I wanted it to bring it to every single corner of the country, and I wanted it, you know as many people to get to know Pieta House, get to know what they were about, maybe dig a bit deeper, and it might not be because of it for them, but it might be for their son or their daughter or their friend or their aunt or whatever the case may be, that they think that they might be able to you know talk to them and say, oh look, would you would you talk to these people? And that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to make that symbolic nature of losing that weight as well, and because when you when 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 people started to follow this thing, I really felt like that they were feeding into it and that they actually were getting involved in it. So if I feel like I'm losing the weight and my own weight again, maybe they can feel like they're losing their weight with me, you know, um, and and that that kind of it kind of I suppose just all melted together to kind of make this this project happen
0: and how much have you raised so far connor as of the 13th of april
1: we just hit 20 grand so we're we're one-fifth of the way through look it, it like we would probably be you know i would imagine we would have been fairly you know deep into it if uh if project 32 had, ke- had kept on i'd have been 13 marathons in now at this stage um i'd be i'd be 13 marathons in now and i would have i would only i would have um probably amassed quite a bit more but at the same time i wanted to kind of keep these challenges going in a way that involved people as well that's why i've been going live with quite a few of them because i want people to see one that i'm doing them that i'm actually doing the the uh the challenges and the tasks that i set out for myself and i've always been accountable to myself anyway but i wanted everybody to see me doing them and maybe kind of you know I don't know, it, it might have brightened somebody's day up as well, that, you know, it could have been sitting in isolation on their own and not had a, you know, a great day or whatever the case be of thoughts. But, you know, me getting on here and, you know, pushing a car while my dad berates me uh, might, you know, might, might, might cheer somebody up and make somebody's day. So that's why I've kind of made these challenges, you know, as well. So I give people two options, and it's option A and option B. So... Again, it's in the hands of the people of what I do, so like it's very, very involved with everybody. Everybody g- can get involved, anybody that follows me can get involved and I can vote on this and t- and can you know decide what I do on any given day. So, it, again, I made it about you know, I suppose connecting with people and creating this kind of connection. So, that's why it's, I suppose, that's why it's worked and why people have gotten me to 20,000 so far and gotten the, the fundraiser up to 20,000.
0: So anyone that wants to make a donation, um, there is a link on Connor's Instagram account. So Connor, what is your handle so people can come make a donation?
1: Yeah, it's Connor it's oh sorry, it's C O'Keefe. C O K E E F F E. It's not Connor O'Keefe, it's C O'Keefe, C O K E E F F E. And as you said, the link is in the bio and I realise as well, Shane, that there's you know, there's a lot of people that their careers are uncertain at the moment and they might not have the money that to spare or whatever the case may be. Um, I completely appreciate that as well. Follow the follow the page along. You might get something from it. It might be something positive for your life. Follow the page along, and if it comes down the line where you find yourself in the position to drop in a couple of quid, you can drop in a couple of euro. And I I, I realise that because look, I'm, I'm looking at my own family and my my brother and, and uh, my my sister-in-law and things like that. And I'm I'm seeing that you know that that this is probably not going to be the best financial claim for a lot of people. But as I said. I understand that, and, and and if you can get something from the page, I'd love for you to follow along.
0: It's an incredible page, guys, and I've been following Connor for quite a while. And the the mindset stuff is where, and Connor's story is what resonates with me. So I I'd encourage you guys to to head over, and even if you take one piece of information from today's podcast or from Connor's page it's been worthwhile recording it for however long we've been recording so guys if you've enjoyed the episode at all please do tag connor and myself up on instagram um, and the, the, po- the podcast will be up on itunes and spotify guys so please do tag us as much as possible the more people that hear this the more people that kind of hear the mindset stuff and what, what connor's trying to do uh, it's definitely going to help one more person that needs that help so guys thank you so much and connor thank you so much for giving up your time And I hope you and your family stay safe in this weird time.
1: Same to you, Shane. Cheers, brother.